chapter 20. And uh, well, let's read from verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. So he is, this is the thousand year reign of, of Jesus when he comes back. <clears throat> and it will be a thousand years of peace. And the, the devil will not be able to, to deceive and harass people and, and do his stuff. He will be locked away. Verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So these are people are uh, what we call tribulation saints. These are people who got saved during the tribulation period. And of course, they were killed. And of course, heavy, heavy persecution. Many of them will be beheaded. Uh, but there they are. Thrones were given to them. And judgment was committed to them. Verse 5. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall uh, be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. I told you last time, if you born twice, you die once. So you're born as a person in the flesh, and then you're born again. So you're born twice. You only die once. But if you are born only once, you die twice. So your body's going to die, but your spirit will, will also die. And that is, we'll get to that a little later on. But, but de death really means separation. So when somebody dies, they separate from us. Uh, their bodies died, but their spirits live, live on. The spirit never dies. So separation, when you talk about the second death, that's separation from God for eternity. No hope. There's no hope for anything. You're gone. Uh, and you'll be tortured. So it's, it, it, it's not that you just disappear into thin air or anything. Uh, there's judgment coming, and, and there's punishment that will be meted out. And it's terrible, terrible. We'll, we'll read more of that. So when, when we talk about the second death, that's what we're talking about. When you separate from God for eternity and there's no hope. There's no hope whatsoever to escape at that punishment. 
Has that already happened to people that have died, or is everybody waiting for judgment day? They're waiting. They're separated. They're waiting, yeah. So they're right now, they haven't had their second death. All right. So, a question um, where it says, uh, they came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years, in verse 5. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. Who is the rest of the dead? That's everybody else that died. Without Jesus. Okay, that's what I was saying. Because during the rapture, the dead in Christ... Will rise first, yes. And that is is why we should do... We should bring as many people as possible to Jesus. Because once they died, without Jesus, it's over yeah. for eternity. Then there's no hope for them. There's no hope for them. Verse 7. Now, when a thousand years uh, have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. So, you know, when Jesus comes to reign, there will be people on earth that made it through the tribulation period. They survived. And their lives will continue on. There will be peace on earth, so there will be no challenges. It will be gorgeous. We can talk about that a little bit. but they will continue to live their lives as they always did, and they will marry and have children. And so the population will grow again. Especially when, when, the, when the world is at peace, uh, I, I think will, the population will grow very rapidly. And if you think about a thousand years, it can, it can grow to large numbers. Verse 9. Uh, they went uh, up on the breadth of the earth, and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, which is Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So when, when at the end of the thousand years, there's going to be another war. And the, the devil will be uh, let go, he'll be loosed, and he will gather the nations, influence them to come and try to fight against God. Now remember, Jesus will be reigning from Jerusalem. That will be his seat. And so they're coming against Jerusalem. Uh, they're not going to get far. No, but it, it's amazing if you think about it. That's after the thousand years where we have Jesus reigning. And then the devil came out and he, is, he will still try and go and get all the kings and the people and try to convince them over to his side. Yeah, because they're not saved. They're sinners. They're sinners, so they'll go with him. But we will know who that is. What's that? Repeat. The devil. I'm sure they will probably, I don't know. She said, the devil, will they know who he is? Well, I guess so. Look. There are two spiritual fathers, mm. and that's the devil and God. It's either or. So if you're not a child of God, you're a child of the devil. So obviously, uh, they don't know it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Is that what you mean? Is that what you mean? 
Or are you talking about like the Antichrist? I think it's going to be ugly, ugly, ugly. We'll know who he is. I think so too. Because now, uh, remember the devil, he, he has, he's not spirit only. Well, yeah, he is, but remember the Antichrist is a human being. Yeah. And, and he is possessed by the devil. But the Antichrist has been done away with. So, so is that what you're talking about? Do you understand? So the devil will probably try and get uh, possess all the kings of the earth so that they... Yeah, he'll deceive them. Deceive them and he, exactly he, what he's doing now. Yeah, he, his main weapon is deception. And he's good at that. Yeah. He's very good at it. So uh, he's a professional and he had thousands of, of years to gain experience. So he knows what he's doing. Uh, so verse 8 says that he will go out and deceive the nations. So that's what he'll be, he will be doing. Yeah. Verse 10. <clears throat> the devil who deceived them will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. So they've been cast out. So they first spent time in the abyss and then they cast out into the lake of fire. That's the final abode for them. Is the lake of fire. That's eternal torture. The beast is the Antichrist, and the false prophet is. The false prophet is the Antichrist. Uh, the, the beast is the Antichrist, uh -huh. and the false prophet is his sidekick. <laughs> and the, the one that Many. promotes him. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like Batman and Robin. Yeah. They always go together, the two. So is that's the unholy trinity, if, if you think two beasts coming, came out of the seat, right? One is the Antichrist, the false prophet, false prophet, and then Satan, and then Satan. And then, do we have an idea of who, who those are? Not yet. Not yet, and but hopefully we, we won't know. <laughs> yeah, we will not know. The church before the Antichrist is revealed, the church will be out of here. Oh. Yeah. So how you sound very disappointed. strategic. I want to know. I want to know what to avoid. <laughs> who not to be listening to. Yeah. I, think, I think we all would like to know who the Antichrist is, you know, but it's not for yeah, us to that's know. That's why we really need to study our Bible, I yeah. think, because that's how we know who to follow and who not to follow. Mm -hmm. Because if what they say does not align with the Word of God, then right. they right. are, even if it's not the Antichrist or the false prophet, they are the type yes. of those things. That's okay. Yeah, yeah I, I think they're very close to, to reveal the Antichrist. I think they're already here. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. no, he's, he's around. And, yes. You know, it's not like we got to wait. Yeah, he's, he's already here. But because uh, these COP28 meetings, we don't know what's happening there. They were supposed to make a statement. We haven't seen the statement yet. Uh, so we're interested to see what will be in that statement. But uh, forming the uh, uh, final one world government is already in a very advanced state and they're getting ready so he'll be he'll be showing up sometime soon i guess it's interesting uh, the the vocabulary that is used when they talk about the seven-year covenant uh -huh. the paris agreement because they say he will confirm the covenant which is what that the bible says in 2015 was the paris agreement mm -hmm. made right 
so the, the Bible talks about the, the, the same about it in the same way. It says the Antichrist will confirm a covenant, which is an existing covenant, but he will confirm it. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, in the original language, it means he will strengthen it. So he'll add something to it. We don't know, so we'll have to wait and see. But Israel is involved somehow. They are involved, which makes a lot of sense. So I think we, we're, we're, we're at that place where things are going to get wrapped up pretty soon. So it says there, let's do verse 10 again. And the devil who deceived them uh, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where uh, the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So there's torment. It's not just being locked away somewhere. No, there's torment going on. And will never, ever end. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, whose uh, face... Wait. From from whose... Uh, faced the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So I want to go, just for an interesting reference there, to Second Peter chapter 3. It's just a little back, not far. Second Peter chapter 3. So Peter's talking a little bit about end times here. It says here in verse 7, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So he also knew about, so God revealed to him, and there's a bit of a confirmation. So the interesting thing about the Bible is that it is one coherent message. There are references all around. Uh, you saw in the document that I handed out there, there are so many references that it confirms itself over and over and over again, especially in the book of Revelation. If we, if we have to go through all those, those references, it will take us probably a year to work through this book. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it's I think solid. there are over 800 references. Yeah, so yeah, it will keep you very busy. So, so it's not something that's separate from the rest of the Bible. Some of those references go back even to, to the first books, right through. And verse 12. Uh, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up her dead, or the dead, who were in it, and death and Hades, that's the grave, delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So that's the final judgment. Uh, I'm thinking now, Ken Johnson had a very good explanation. I hope I can remember it. 
that everybody, even even before time, everybody's name was written in the book of life. And as you as you're born and you start your life and you begin to sin uh, and and you die in sin, your name is taken out of the book of life and goes, or, yeah, before you die, it goes into the book of sinners. And when you die, it goes into the, the book of death. So that you, you move, you move from the one to the other. So by the end, uh, the book of sinners will be empty. And those who are in the book of life will be in heaven and the rest are in the book of, of death and they'll be cast into the lake of fire. That's, uh, that's according to the Dead Sea Scrolls. So uh, it's not in the Bible, but it, it's, it's it doesn't make sense. But there is also mention of the Book of Remembrance. Yes, I don't know what that is now. No, I'm just thinking to <laughs> me, common sense will tell that's where everything that needs to be remembered will be in that book. <laughs> okay. uh, chapter 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. So the new heaven and the new earth, well, not, there's no ocean. I don't know why, I guess... That's sad. It's, it's, it's probably sad, but I don't think the new earth will be worse than the present one. No. So I think we just don't understand we it We just yet. don't understand is the sea when they talk about it's like something hidden? Maybe there's going to be something else instead of the sea. Yeah, we don't know. There'll be rivers. There's a river, so we'll get to that. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down uh, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. So this is quite important, actually. Remember that before Adam and Eve sinned, God came to visit them. Uh, and, 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 and it's always been the desire of God to dwell among his people. So when they sinned, uh, that became impossible because sin cannot stand in the presence of God. God is too holy. So afterwards, when the law came and the people were, uh, were on their way to, to the promised land and so on, God uh, instructed Moses to build the tabernacle. And we spoke quite extensively, uh, extensively uh, about this when we did the book of, Re of, of Hebrews. Anyway, the purpose of the tabernacle was, remember in the Holy of Holies, that's the, the, the third room, that's where the presence of God dwelt, because he wanted to be among his people. And that is still God's desire, he wants to be with his people. And there, there, there are passages there in the book of Corinthians where Paul talks about this, where God says that I will dwell among them. Book of Ephesians, chapter 2, uh, talks about uh, the church is a temple. So God doesn't live in a temple made by hands. He lives in us. We are temples now. I think we should go there. I think it's 
Uh, I'm, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> Just got to look at the old Bibles. Okay. The reference Bible. The one he knows. But you know exactly where, you know, it's right there. Or it's right there. First Corinthians chapter 6. And it's, it's, I, I'm not going to read the whole passage, actually pretty good. Uh, but we do verse 19. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. Then I can quickly go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 and verse 19. Ephesians 2 and verse 19 and on. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, that's the church, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. It's talking about a spiritual building. So, and the church, and that is the group of born-again people, form the dwelling place of God. God doesn't dwell in, in a building made uh, with hands. He lives in us. And that's a very important thing. So when God says here in Revelation that he's going, to, he's going to be among his people, he is bringing to pass the dream he had for humanity from the beginning. It's going to happen eventually. So this is actually one of God's desires that are being fulfilled here. Let's do three again, chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor, nor sorrow, nor crying. Uh, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Isn't that nice? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that kind of a world? Nothing is wrong. <laughs> See, that was God's plan with man from the beginning, to live like this. And the devil came and spoiled it. Uh, and Adam and Eve agreed with him. And that's why we have what we have. Mm -hmm. But that was never God's plan. That was never God's plan. Verse 5, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So I, I, I believe that word overcome is very important for us. Uh, we need to be overcomers. And we, we're living in a broken, fallen world, and there are temptations all around us. And we need to overcome them. Because there are promises for the overcomers. So it's not a matter of, well, you know, this is my problem, or this is who I am, and this, or that, that kind of stuff. No, we need to be overcomers. We need to, we need to overcome. How do we overcome? With his help. Now, we will never be perfect, but that we shouldn't, we shouldn't, uh, while we live in this body. But we cannot use that as an excuse. We, we, we need to fight against whatever bothers us and overcome. Verse 8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And that is, that's a very strong uh, word there. It's interesting. He talks about uh, the cowardly. I, I, I believe what, what it means is that if we are scared to name Jesus before people, to be witnesses. We are scared to be witnesses of him. I think that's what this refers to. Because he said if you do yeah. not um, mention him in front of people, yeah. then he will not mention you. In front of, of the in Father. In front yeah. of the Father. So this is a very strong push for evangelism, sharing the gospel. And, and, and I, I think we should be, uh, we should not feel intimidated and think, well, you know, I cannot preach, I cannot do this, I can. All you need to do is tell people what Jesus did for you. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. You don't have to, to preach the whole Bible to them. <laughs> uh, you know, that's all you need to do. And, 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 and they might reject you, whatever, they'll think about it. They will think about it. And we believe that even as we pray for them, the Holy Spirit will continue to speak to their hearts. And, you know, I, there are some passages, as I told you many times, in the Bible that I don't like. The one where Jesus said, love your enemies. I, I find that a little bit of a challenge. But then you realize that hell is so horrible that you don't want to see your worst enemy there. And that's why we need to try and reach them. And it's, it's also quite amazing if you look at the kind of a day that we live in, where the whole world is connected through the internet, that we have opportunities through social media to share the gospel around the world without going there. And we can use uh, Facebook and Twitter. I think that's 
how, you know, it, it, the Bible says every every arrow shall hear about Jesus. Yes. That's the only way it could have ever happened. So the internet right. coming to pass and yes. Facebook and all that right. is, is God's plan to get everybody aware of yes. what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I, I have a Twitter account, and when I go through my Twitter feed, the gospel is being broadcast all day long around the world. Mm-hmm. And without end, 24-7, just goes out all the time. You know, I've, I've been to Africa in very poor nations like Liberia, which is one of the poorest, and Malawi. These are the two poorest nations on the planet. Everyone has a cell phone, I can tell you. Yeah. Everyone has a cell phone. They're connected. And so the gospel is going out. And I think we can play a very important role by making, by using our, our, our uh, social media accounts as mission fields. Yeah. Just put it out there. Put the Bible verse or say something that will encourage somebody. And just put it out there. You'll be surprised. You'll read it and comment. And maybe not even comment, but think about it. Sowing seed. Okay. Verse 8. So the cowardly, unbelieving, we try to get people from unbelief to believe, abominable, murders, sexually immoral. I looked that up. It says, all sex that's against the laws of God. It's quite interesting. And it's also interesting that every list of sin, and there's quite a few in the Bible, has that one. And it's, uh, I, I skipped the verses in where we just read in Corinthians, where it actually talks about that. And there's a reason for that. Because when you, when you have sex with somebody, the Bible says that in that passage, you become one with that person, one in spirit. When I tell you, that is something that can mess up your spiritual life like nothing else. Oh, yeah. It's... it's, it's is sexual immorality. It, it, it is. I, I think it's one of the devil's preferred tools to mess up people's lives. Verse eight: Still, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and there's a lot of that going on. I mean, people have idols, not necessarily uh, pagan gods and things. But they worship their stuff. And money. Material things, yes. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I, I think what we're trying to get out of this is it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that offers you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Coming back to unbelieving. You know, how many times does it state you have to uh, love the truth? Yeah. You have to love the truth. If you don't love the truth, you're unbelieving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. 
And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, a light which was like most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also shared a great and high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates and names written on them which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So when you talk about the bride, Paul calls... Uh, the church, the bride of Christ. Here we see the city is the bride of Christ. But it's because the bride dwells in the city. Isn't it interesting that the, the, the names of the, of the tribes of Israel is there and the names of the twelve apostles, that's the church, representing the church. And the two become one there. And Ephesians talks about that also in, in chapter 2 where it says God will make the two one. So finally, there will be unity in the New Jerusalem between the Jews and the Gentile church. Does Ephesians 2 also list the 12 tribes? My inquiring mind wants to know the names of the 12 tribes. Not right now, but... No, I, I, we can read it. I'll read it. It's, it's, I don't want to derail the conversation. My God will list them So anyway, here in Ephesians 2, verse 14, uh, it says like this. Let's do 13. But now Christ Jesus, uh, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What he's saying here is the Gentiles had no relationship with God. But through Christ, we've been brought near, through the blood of Christ. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So breaking down the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, making them one. Verse 15 says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Verse 15 in Revelation again. And he would talk with me at a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The, uh, the city is laid out as a square, its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with a reed 12,000 furlongs, its length 
breadth and height are equal. So it's like a cube. How long is a furlong? My Bible says 1,500 miles per side. 16. 15. 1,500 miles per size. That's humongous. That's right. Verse 17. Then he measured his wall. One. Okay, we read that. 18. The construction of, the, of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seven chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh adjacent, and the twelfth amethyst. It's It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite breathtaking. You, I mean, it's hard for us to imagine that with our carnal minds. I like the snake part. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Now that is, that's why I think you won't be bothered if the ocean is not there. Now, you'd have to wear sunglasses with all that gold. The walls, <laughs> the walls and the gates are 216 feet tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the gates are 22. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord uh, God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated the Lamb is its light. No sunglasses needed. (laughs) And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. So sorry to those who love to sleep. <laughs> we won't want to. We won't want to sleep. We won't need it. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are going to be perfect. Yes. Yeah. Glorious. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of their nations into it. But they shall by no means enter it uh, enter it anything that defiles or uh, causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there'd be no sinners. That's why nothing is locked, shut down. It's amazing. <laughs> Chat, I'm, I'm thinking sir? now of um, that song, um, I Can't Imagine. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I started to play that this morning. Yeah. Enjoy and, and, and I'm just thinking when you see this description of the heavenly Jerusalem, I cannot imagine. I don't think our minds are created to no, we can't fully comprehend it. Yeah. Verse 1, chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. 
In the middle of its street, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more a curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no light there, uh, no night there. Uh, they need no lamp, nor light, uh, nor uh, of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the, uh, the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words, uh, keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And then he said to me, See that you don't do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Now I look this verse up because I remember from our Afrikaans Bible what it says there is, he who is unjust will be more unjust. Let him uh, who is filthy will be more filthy. It just goes worse. It's magnified. And then who is holy will be more holy. So that's kind of idea. Verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Remember, we, the, the moment the rapture happens, we're going to be judged by Jesus. Not for our sin, but for our works. How we worked for him, witnessed, uh, encouraged people, that type of thing. Uh, all, all, all of the things we do for him expanding the kingdom uh, on, on the earth. Verse 13, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs. So sorry, your pooch is not welcome there. I don't think that's not a dog. That's not that's not the dog he's talking about. <laughs> you are teasing us. <laughs> so uh, let's go to Philippians chapter three. Don't listen, man. Don't listen. Philippians chapter three. 
and I alienate from verse 1. Philippians chapter 3. I just want to show you what kind of dark he's talking about. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but uh, for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware, beware, beware of the mutilation. So what he's talking about is people that tear people apart. Mm -hmm. And mutilate them, destroy them. That's what he's talking about. He talks about dogs. He's not talking about our furry friends. Hmm. He's talking about these people. They will not be welcome in, in God's new city. All right, let's do 15 again. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Isn't that interesting? And there are lots of those <laughs> in this country. You know, it's, it's, uh, it practices a lie. <laughs> a lawyer comes to mind. Yeah, <laughs> and politicians. Yes, I think every single politician. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Isn't that a beautiful... Uh, invitation you we thirst it's beautiful it says and the spirit and the bride yeah. say come verse 18 for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy or prophecy of this book if anyone adds to these things God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book and if anyone takes away from the words of this book, uh, of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So there he is. Beautiful. Actually, the book of Revelation is not that. Well, bad. that's why <laughs> we're in the beginning that if you read this book, it will be a blessing to you. Now, there are horrible things, but if you're with Christ, you'll escape them. And, and you end up in this beautiful city for eternity. There will be no evil at all. There'll be no pain, there'll be no sickness, there'll be none of that. That's the future that God has. And that's the future that the future that God wanted for us from the beginning. Uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter 
chapter 65. I made a few notes here. Isaiah 65 and verse 17. We're going to read about the thousand-year reign of Christ. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing, and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant from from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And this is the thousand year reign. Now, we don't read that, so right at the end of the tribulation period, the, the remnant of the Jews will receive Jesus as the Messiah as he comes down from heaven. Um, they will recognize him and accept him as their Messiah. But because Jesus will be on the earth then. But we do not read that they will, re they will receive glorified bodies at that point. So that's why you read that they will still, children will die at 100 years old. So that longevity that we read of in the book of Genesis will come back. And they will continue on to live. They have their fig trees. There are other places where you read about that, where they'll sit under their fig tree. And uh, the kids will be running around and, 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 and uh, do what children do. During that third thousand years, will there be animals? A thousand years? Because the lion will lay with the lamb. And what else does the Bible say? It will, it will be like now. It will be like He said there'll be nice. <laughs> they will love one another. Yes. Uh, well, would it be like uh, the Garden of Eden, pretty much? And yeah. So. Yes. Yes. It, it will be. It will be what the world was before sin came to destroy everything. So we read in Romans chapter eight that when Adam fell, nature fell with him. So we read there in chapter 8 of, 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 of Romans that creation is also looking forward to the revelation of the sons of God. Because then things will be restored. So nature is groaning 
email right now. Uh, that uh, a sermon by John Paul Patrick oh, was just amazing. Yeah, <coughs> it, 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 it's, when he starts off, it sounds a little flaky. Uh, I thought, where is he going with this? But uh, as he went into it more and more, uh, there's a lot to learn there. To me, it just shows how amazing the creation yeah. is. Yeah, it, it totally is amazing. certainly... I, I do strongly recommend you listen to that. John Kilpatrick, he put it on... Um, oh, I can go. Oh, the, the, earth, the earth is speaking. Yes. Zechariah chapter 14. Uh, Zechariah is a very interesting book uh, with a lot of detail about the end times. It's a very interesting book to read. It, it just ties a whole lot of loose ends together in that book. Zechariah, uh, give us page number. Oh, eight, nine, 839. Thank you. Sorry, I'm I, I can't read this far. <laughs> Zechariah 8? 839. No, Zechariah 14. Yeah. Zechariah 14. Yeah, I've almost tempted to read the whole chapter, but... Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, verse 3. So it's, it, it starts it's off... <laughs> it starts off by talking about um, the battle that will happen uh, before... I think it's before... The, uh, the there's going to be a war against uh, against Israel, and this is what the first verses talk about. It's, it's terrible, terrible. We already see some of this going on right now in Israel. But let's do verse three. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations, as he fights in the day of battle, and in that day. His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. That's at the end of the tribulation period, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move to the north and half of it towards the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley. For the mountain valley shall reach to Azor. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come and the saints with you. So that's when Jesus comes back and we're coming with him. That's at the end of the tribulation period. Now, just remember that these books of prophecy in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Zechariah, and others, the book, the chapters are not chronological. They are just kind of bundled together. So, so don't think your things are sitting in the wrong spot here. That's, 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 not, that's not how it was put together. So I want to go back to Zechariah 13. Uh, let's go to 12 and verse 10. Look at this. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. 
then they will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. That's when the remnant, you know, a remnant will, will flee away and hide themselves in, in, in the mountains. That's the Jews now. That, that's the Jews. Jesus right, uh, there in the area of Petra. They will hide there for three and a half years. God will take care of them there. Right at the end, they will hide there for three and a half years. And at the end at, of the tribulation period, when Jesus comes back, they will recognize him and realize he's the Messiah. That's why they say they will, they will, uh, they will look on me as whom, uh, on me whom they have pierced, and realize he is the Messiah. So why don't they believe it now? Why don't they believe it? Well, look, if you look at the history, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that they're extremely stubborn. They're not honest with God. Jews are stubborn. They, and they are, they're rebels. They always rebelled against him, always. Until, so God has a thing, there's a warning that God gave them, and to us actually in the New Testament, if you continue down that path, God will harden your heart. That's what happens to them. Their hearts are hardened. Now, some of them are saved. Uh, we, we knew some of them, and there's many of them, actually. But concerning, you know, the percentage of the nation, that's pretty small. Some of them are saved, and they have become born-again Christians. But it's a small number. So those Jews that are saved and accepted Jesus, they move over from the Jew group into the church, church group. group. They become part of the church. So yeah. when somebody says, like I was talking to somebody at the softball, if they say, I'm Jewish, they're basically telling you they don't believe in Jesus when yeah. they say yes. it that way. Yeah. Okay, so they need to read Isaiah 53? Then you say, you need to read your book, Isaiah 53. Okay. <laughs> It's in your book. And I, I just read on Twitter of, of a woman who uh, read Isaiah 53, a Jewish woman, and got saved. It, it's all in there. It's hard for them to. But they, they don't like to read things like that. So they skip. They focus on the Torah, which is the first five books, which is the law, what you can do and must do and not do and all, and all of that. That's what they focus on. Um, Isaiah 13. Zechariah. 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 Read from verse 8. And shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one third shall be left in it. So during the tribulation period, two-thirds of the Jews will die. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's also called uh, by the, the other prophets uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. God's going he's gonna, to he's gonna deal with them. He's going to punish them for, for all their rebellion against him. So two-thirds of them will die. Uh, a third will escape to Petra, that is the remnant. 
Now, if you read in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, if you see the Antichrist sitting in the holy place and as God and demanding to be worshipped, you run for the mountains. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. Run for the mountains. Don't go to their house to pick up clothes or anything. You run. Because they're going to come after them. Uh, a third will make it. And they will be the remnant that will be saved. And recognize Jesus at the end. If they've not ever, like, well, studied it, how will they know to run? Will God tell them? I mean, that's what I, don't I don't God anyway. will probably tell them. It's time to run. Now remember the two witnesses who were probably in the streets by that time. When, when are the two witnesses? Yeah, they should be there at that time. So maybe they'll tell them, I don't know. But a third will run. And they have 144,000 uh, Jews. Evangelists. Uh, evangelists. You know, so surely they must, they must hear it someplace, yeah. somewhere. Verse 9, I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them, and I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. That's when I recognize uh, Jesus. So um, I, I do encourage you to read uh, the book of uh, Zechariah. It's a very, very interesting book that will answer a lot of questions concerning the end times. Let's do one more, Hosea. Hosea 5 and verse 15. God speaking, he says, I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. So during the tribulation, those that remnant, uh, in their affliction, they will seek me. Uh, you can imagine uh, the desperation. Uh, they know Jerusalem is under attack. Our people are being killed. And we're hiding here, and I hope they don't find us. I mean, uh, it must be a, uh, a very, very difficult time for them while they're hiding. For three and a half years, it's a long time. So let's continue on to chapter 6. It moves, it just pulls over into the next chapter. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. So that's what they, they will say. Let's go. Let's, let, let's return to the Lord, you know. Let's be over with this rebellion. I, I believe the majority of, of Jews today are atheists. They don't believe. They're secular people. They don't believe. Now look at verse 2. Now the, the rejection of Jesus happened, of course, when Jesus was on the earth. They rejected him as the Messiah. So that's 2,000 years ago, right? Look at verse 2. After two days, he will revive us. After two days. One day is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. After two days. After 2,000 years. 
he will revive us on the third day. That's the millennial reign. He will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Isn't that beautiful? How things just come together, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, the, the puzzle pieces are spread across the Bible, and we need to find them and put them together. So the book of Revelation starts off with, uh, let's say, with the letters to the churches, warnings, encouragements, that covers all of church history, 2,000 years of church history. And then the plagues begin. The four horses, the four trumpets, uh, not the four horses, the seven plagues that include the four horses. Uh, seven trumpets and seven bowls. And then the end comes and God's wrapping things up and the new, uh, the thousand year uh, uh, reign of Christ, and then eternity. And I think we're at the end of the 2,000 years of church history. It's interesting. I don't want to take up too much time, but the scholars are not sure when Jesus went back to heaven. It's either A.D. 30. 132 or 33. But Dead Sea Scrolls talk about AD 32. So at 2000 years of church history, it brings you to 2032. Take off seven years of tribulation period, it brings you to 2025. Mm -hmm. So we kind of, there's a ballpark there. Uh, 2025 is, uh, I'm not the prophet, I'm just telling you from what I read in the Bible. Uh, 2025 is going to be a horrible year. Uh, this agreement, this covenant that the COP28 people are making is, is, gonna, is gonna start off next year, 2024. So next year is gonna be a bad year too. We're going to see some bad stuff next year. We're going to see some things that we've never seen before next year. The world economy is the yeah. terrifying thing. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and all these other things that they're doing and planning. So control over people is going to increase. Mm -hmm. and we're going to lose a lot of freedoms. And there will be famines. There will be famines. Because they don't like the farmers. They say they, uh, they're the ones that create the greenhouse gases. And now one smart, wise guy in Canada came up with, with this new nugget of truth that our breath creates greenhouse gases. So we're the problem now. That's actually where they're heading. So all of that is beginning to, will begin to take effect next year, 2024. Uh, we're right at the end, you know. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. That the only important thing right now is get your act together with God. Right. That's the only thing that matters now. Nothing else matters. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. 
So we really, really, really need to draw close to God. There's a beautiful verse, I believe, in, in the book of James where it says, if we draw close to Him, He will draw close to us. Mm-hmm. He wants that. He wants that fellowship. God made us for fellowship with Him. And He wants us to fellowship with Him. And that's what we need to do. We need fellowship with Him by spending time listening to Him as we read Scripture and prayer. And when I talk about prayer, Paul says, pray always, which means you don't just pray in the morning and the evening, you pray all day long. It's a conversation you have with God. It's not, it's not a specific formula of prayer and a format that you do. You're talking with God. That's what he wants. He wants that fellowship. That's what he's after. And we need to, we need to get ourselves into that habit of just bringing him into everything we do. Stop talking with him about it. I think he gets tired of hearing me. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I talk to him all day long. Yes. And I sing Christian songs at the house right. all day long. Yeah. I mean, I'm serious tired of him. Yes. So that's how we draw close to God, and he will draw close to us. And, and, and that is something that I believe should become our focus uh, in the next while. Okay, let's pray. We'll ask Trish to pray for us today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for we thank you for our Sundays here with our group of people. These are our people. We, these are family that we've chosen, Father God, to be close to us because we know that you're in them. And anything that's in them, Father, is of you. Father God, we ask that you just be with everybody. We ask that you continue to open their ears and their hearts to listen to the things that the Holy Spirit is nudging us to do, Father God. We thank you for Pastor Johan giving us the word. We thank you for everything that we heard in Revelation. And we, we, we thank you for believing it. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to change our ways. We thank you for just the acts, the, the things that we, the, our footsteps that we need to follow, follow you, Father God, and to be in, our, in the word and to learn the word, Father God. We thank you for all of our knowledge and we ask for wisdom, Father God. We ask that you just be with my mom, Father God, and, mm-hmm. and with Kathy's daughter. We ask that you be with Kathy while she's traveling, Father God. We ask that you just be with... We ask that you be with Jolie. She's long missing her dad, Father God. We ask that you just, we, we rebuke all the things that are going wrong in these people's minds and these people's hearts and not believing that you have a healing power, Father God. We believe you're the ultimate healer, Father God, and, and we believe that these things can change. We ask that you just be with each one of us, open our eyes and our ears, Lord. And we thank you for all your blessings that you provide us. In Jesus' name, we ask all of these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.